Welcome back to Two Crees in a Pod. Today on November 15th, I would like to give thanks to my sister Nadine. She would have been 49 years old today. We lost her last March, but I am so thankful that I had her in my life for 39 years. I love you, sissy. I miss you every day. And I pray that you're journeying well up in the stars. Hi, hi. So welcome to Two Crees in a Pod. We are in season three and today we have, for episode two, we are joined by Roxanne Tutusis. Uh, so we'll start off, Roxanne, by just giving you the opportunity to introduce yourself to our listeners. So I greet you all, and I'm grateful to be with, join you here today. Uh, I come from the lands of Chief Pond Maker and Big Bear, and uh, my I'm, I'm known by the grandfathers and grandmothers as Gamiwa Pigwani, blossoming flower. But the audience here today, and my work of place, know me as Roxanne Tutusis. Hi, hi. Thank you. So one of the things that I wanted to uh, share today and, and talk a little bit about was around the ceremonial uh, policy that we have at McEwen University. So back in 2017, uh, there, was, there was a subcommittee created to work on a policy around ceremony. Um, and one of the things, um, and Amber, you could speak to this as well, um, because you're a large part of that uh, work, is that, you know, at the time when I had started, we had a new president, and we talked about uh, ceremonial smudging or, or practices held campus wide. And we knew that, you know, those conversations, when we had those conversations, uh, they were shot down very quickly in terms of, um, you know, their the smudging practices had to happen within the Indigenous Centre. And, uh, you know, there was many of us who worked together in uh, creating a ceremonial policy and procedures for the university so that we can uh, smudge and hold ceremony across campus. And I just want our listeners to know that as well, that there wasn't any necessarily, that this support came from leadership uh, but there wasn't necessarily changes that needed to happen with our, our our venting systems, for instance. I know oftentimes when we have these conversations within our own organizations that uh, we come up against barriers uh, and challenges that this can't be done because of our, again, our, our venting systems, our air quality, uh, our alarms, our smoke alarms. Um, and we didn't find that that was you know, um, an issue. And so maybe Roxanne, you could talk a bit about what that process was when you, you, um, you went across the university in in mid November, mid February of 2018, um, and did testing for the university. Oh my God. So one of the things we had to do was, um, to reassure security and facilities that we weren't lighting smudge bombs and that when we smudged, right, it wasn't going to set off alarms and uh, have the fire trucks sirens 
blaring down to McEwen. So to do that, I had to get up six o'clock every morning for two weeks with security and facilities and go throughout our buildings for two hours a morning, checking out all the fire alarms and even the tightest, most enclosed places like an elevator, right? I would actually light the smudge and really put it towards the vent, right? And just show them like, we never light uh, light enough to set off any fire alarms because I know that because I the Royal Alec Hospital where we and when we worked with uh, facilities to show them how much we actually like when we request to do when families request ceremony it wasn't never enough to set off fire alarms. So that's one of the things we had to demonstrate to facilities and securities was like, we're pretty cool. And uh, this is all we liked, right? And there was no need for um, fear of ever setting off alarms, which is one of their biggest concerns. So that's what we had to do. Two weeks, six o'clock, in the morning for two hours, walk throughout our throughout our university to demonstrate to them that uh, this was not going to hinder the process of our of uh, of our ceremonies. Yes, thank you for that. And I guess one of the things as well, um, just to give our listeners a little bit of background. Uh, so Roxanne is our knowledge keeper at McEwen University, Kia Western Indigenous Centre. She, um, so when we, in 2017, we created uh, this full-time uh, continuing position within the university to create um, opportunities for a knowledge keeper to come in and provide support to our students, staff and faculty. Uh, obviously, you know, previous to this, we had a uh, we had elders who were involved with the university um, on a part time contract basis. Um, it wasn't they weren't salaried set continuing positions, um, but they would have elders maybe come in for a couple hours per week. And we wanted to really explore what this would look like uh, bringing in somebody full time. Um, and I had reached out to, I had actually gone to see Roxanne and offered her tobacco and asked her to come and, and be with us for a month to, to see what that intake would be for support to our students, staff and faculty. And I remember that first week uh, going in, we were so busy with the amount of requests coming in uh, for an elder or knowledge keeper in the classrooms and in many of our spaces. And so uh, we were able to create this this position um, and Roxanne has been with us ever since. So uh, she is a, she's definitely uh, been an amazing addition to the team and brings a wealth of knowledge. And, and, and quite frankly, I think that you know, there's there's many things that we need these positions within many of our organizations. We need full time knowledge keepers and elders um, that are guiding us in our work that we do every day within Indigenous education, Indigenous working with Indigenous peoples. 
Um, we now have uh, other elders and knowledge keepers that work with us. And so it's grown. The need has definitely grown uh, from that time. And um, maybe Roxanne, you could share a little bit about the importance of, of having culture and ceremony in post-secondary. Well, it's an absolute necessity, I think, for student success because I always tell our students coming to our center, our Kiheo Watson Indigenous Center, uh, Kiheo meaning eagle, Watson meaning nest. So it's their home away from home. And many of them coming to our center, I, uh, I've discovered it's no fault of their own that they don't even know who they are where they come from and what their purpose is in, in this in this life. And so it's an opportunity for us to connect them to culture um, and language and history and traditions and more importantly, ceremony, because that's often the missing link in terms of really knowing who they are and the strength of who they are. And so ceremony is a big part of the work that we do at Gehel Watson. And because anything that we do is always grounded in ceremony. Uh, any initiatives that we want to create is always going into ceremony, okay? Uh, we request for a name, and if the grandfathers, grandmothers want to gift us with the name, then we know that's being blessed and it will take flight. And so many of the students don't even know what, why tobacco, what is protocol? Why do we smudge? How do we smudge, right? So though just the basic, uh, basic uh, indigenous knowledge, knows a way, knowing and being is where we can introduce that and share our creation stories from different uh, indigenous worldviews. I can only share from a Nehio perspective, because that's who I am. And I always share the teaching my mushroom, my grandpa always told me when I was gonna go off to Western world to get this uh, quality education, a master's degree. And he told me, Nusim, Kskeita, Gigoyahuma, Nehio school, and Namuigatskawanihun. And so what he was saying was, grandchild, always know who you are first as a Plains Cree woman, and you'll never get lost. Well, that's be, it was quite a loaded statement, and I've had to reflect on it many times, not only as a mother, grandmother, and auntie, sister, but uh, now as an academic, right, a professional. And that's what I try to relay to the students coming to McEwen, like that not only will you acquire a quality education coming to our post-secondary institution, but hopefully when you take flight from Gehel Watson, you're not gonna cross that stage, not only with your university degree, your certificate or diploma, but as well, you're gonna be equipped with a spiritual toolkit that's gonna provide you with what you need to know about the truth of who you are, where you come from, and how you're going to go into your varying uh, professional professions uh, to rightfully um, create spaces and do this work more effectively, blending the two cultures together. And uh, so that's what we aspire to do, I think, as, as a knowledge keeper anyway. Uh, and I know 
I can only take our students so far because I'm a, a Nehio school. I'm a, Nehio, I'm a Cree woman. So I need the balance of that, of our male counterparts to come in and teach our young men because I can only take them so far as a young Koko. And so we need each other to create that balance and harmony moving forward. So it's important also too, I'll just add, yeah, with the TRC's calls to action, right, where post-secondary institutions are mandated to create uh, these spaces and positions to bring Indigenous knowledge to their institutions, we don't have time to waste. And so we've just thrown ourselves in there, tried to provide as much education awareness in terms of the importance of uh, ceremony, the importance of knowing, the history, culture of the first people through our worldview, not through academic where you can't research this stuff, right? It's lived experience, right? And um, yeah, and it's on the land, right? It's uh, opening our minds to a different worldview. It's actually being able to connect to the land ceremonies, being able to identify the, the medicines, smell them, pick them, harvest them, right? Prepare your you know home fires so you're equipped for the next fall, winter, spring till till you know we're able to um, to pick them again and yeah be in community in with uh in conjunction with uh, the ceremonies that happen year round right we just finished you know uh, a ghost dance now we're getting ready for mataito right tea dances and then chicken dances and again prepare for our summer fasting sun dancing right so because our worldview it's cyclical, right? So we try and teach them through the seasons, you know, how to participate in life differently in yeah, with all the elements. And I and thank you, Roxanne, for for all of that. Um, and it, while you were talking, it reminded me of a couple things. And and one of the things that you reminded me of was. Um, and, I, and I speak from a faculty perspective. Um, back in 2015, when I started with McEwen, uh, that's when the calls to action were were really, uh, and I use the word sexy. They were very sexy at that time. You know, everyone was jumping on on uh, the reconciliation uh, bus, and uh, and rightfully so. Um, and so I remember when I, I met with our president at that time and we had a conversation about what the university was doing broadly uh, in response to the TRC calls to action. And, uh, and, and a, a conversation started from there, like Terry was saying, there's some historical stuff. And these conversations about smudging and uh, ceremonial policy or, or, or procedures or protocols, all of these conversations happened way before any of us even got to McEwen. This is a, a very long historic conversation that I know has been happening at McEwen since its, uh, since it, its beginnings as a community college. And so uh, there's a long story of, of Indigenous folks coming into the university and having these conversations and advocating for space 
advocating for ceremony, advocating for uh, some sort of policy or some sort of uh, relationship development uh, to occur. And so I think it's, uh, so the story that we're telling now is an ongoing story. Um, and and I'm sure that after we all leave McEwen, whenever that might be, um, that someone will keep telling that story. And uh, back in 2015, when we started having these conversations, I think one of the important pieces from, again, from a faculty perspective is that there was, I had a very quick realization when I became a faculty member with the School of Social Work that I was one of the very few Indigenous faculty at McEwen and at that time was the only full-time continuing fa Indigenous faculty at McEwen. Uh, there was Indigenous sessionals um, and, uh, and some folks who were leaving McEwen who were Indigenous and that became a real um, alarming uh, that was really alarming uh, in many ways. I recognized very quickly that there was a sense of loneliness. And then I also recognized this immense responsibility. Um, and so I, I partnered really, really quickly with, uh, at that time it was called the uh, Aboriginal uh, Education Centre at McEwen. And, uh, and so when, when I partnered with them, we, we tried to move very quickly with ensuring that uh, Indigenous uh, anything and everything was visible and uh, respected at the university. And, uh, and so one of the other things to think about for folks who are listening who may be working within uh, Western institutions, because we all do, we all work within colonial structures, uh, doesn't matter where we work, we all work within a colonial structure because settlers are still here. <laughs> and so one of the things to think about is, um, you know, it's it's not solely uh, like it, the smudging for sure. Like I was doing it on the key moots, on the down low in my classrooms, and uh, knowing that I was on. Uh, for anyone who um, is a is a tenured faculty, you know that there is a three year probationary period, and so uh, in that three years, I smudged in my classroom repeatedly, knowing that I that I could have faced big consequence for that. And so I had lots of really good allies that supported me. But one of the other things was not just the smudging, it was also Indigenous visibility made folks extremely uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, and not just visibility, uh, just you know, seeing us, but also hearing our songs and hearing our laughter. Um, I remember I was teaching a class and I had uh, Leo and, and uh, Priscilla McGilvery come in and do a circle with my students because we were talking about um, uh, trauma, Indigenous uh, healing practices and trauma and uh, they came and sang and I had a, a complaint uh, for a, no a noise complaint from my from my classroom and it's interesting because you know as a faculty member when you're teaching in a classroom you know the classroom spaces uh, might you know that they might be side by side and, and there might be lots of noise coming from another classroom you know maybe it's a film that's playing really loud maybe there's a lot of you know students are really laughing and and enjoying their class I never got a noise complaint until that day, until that day where Leo and Priscilla came in. And I actually had the instructor come knock on my door in the middle of a circle and tell me to keep it down. And, uh, and I think about how far we've come and it's because of, you know, folks like Terry and Roxanne uh, within our institution that we've been able to move forward as quickly as we have. Uh, 
but I, but I think it's really important for us to think about as faculty about visibility and, and how Kihi Watson uh, does a lot of things. I have a student currently with Kihi Watson, so I'm supervising students in their field placement. And I have a student who's doing her field placement with Kihi Watson's team and has had the opportunity to go to ceremony. And, uh, and I don't know where else you know, I know that there's lots of other, you know, students who are out in the field doing lots of different things and may be invited to other other ceremony. But knowing that our students can go to Kihuatan for their field placement and go to ceremony. And it's not just our Indigenous students. And I want to stress that, that I love that about Kihuatan. I love that about our Indigenous folks is that we welcome all. When you walk into Kihuatan, you see students of all, you know, ethnic backgrounds, from all different types of nationality. You see students there, you know, regardless of race, color, or creed, you know, creating a community. So I, I just really want to shout you out, uh, Roxanne and Terry, for the work that you've done for our students and, and ensuring that our students do have that safe space, regardless of where they come from, because that's really important as well. Hello. Yeah, no, that's that's what we aim to do because um, the services that we offer, we have a different perspective uh, in terms of community uh, relationship building, right? It should be all encompassing. These institutions always talk about equity, diverse, uh, diversity, inclusion, right? These buzzwords, but that's been in our systems for thousands of years. You know, the moment we light our, our sweet grass, right? That's speaking about equity, diversity, inclusion, right? And they're just coming, they're just catching up. So, you know, they have much to learn from us if they're open to it. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that. Um, thank you, Amber and Roxanne. I think that, you know, and and I, so I do take the practicum students uh, from social work uh, at Kehoe Weston, and oftentimes they're placed with, uh, myself and as well working very closely with our elders and our knowledge keepers um, and you know and it's not just the students that are coming into the space it's also our you know our our uh, our faculty as well and uh, our staff and our team um, and so you know we're we've gone through a recent change within the center and we have new team members which is very exciting um, and and I'll share a story um, that that you know transpired over the last couple of weeks. So we have a non-indigenous social work student um, that's doing her practicum with us, um, and then we have uh, hired a new indigenous advisor, and you know it's their first week. They're, they're, they're first week in, um, and I'd asked. You know I knew that there was a ceremony coming up, and I'd asked if they had prepared. Uh, ceremonial food offerings before um, and they hadn't and so it was a really good opportunity for me just to step back from from my desk and share space with them in in creating and making these food offerings for the ceremony and then having some conversation around that but also inviting them to the ceremony with me 
um, which they came with me that weekend. And, you know, it was so beautiful. And this is this is the beauty of our ceremonies. You know, they had never been to a ceremony like this before. They prepared the food offerings for the ceremony. And when we went to the community uh, during this ceremony, the the elder had asked had looked at me and had asked who had prepared the food. And I, I pointed to the two ladies um, and he asked them to come up and they went up to the altar and he honored them and he thanked them and they sang for them. And it was so beautiful to see and witness them experience something like this at, at, in, in, in community. Um, haven't again never been um, experienced that before and you know just to understand the impact and and what they have done uh, for the community as well by preparing that food in such a sacred manner and so you know I think that you know and we're laughing on the way back because they they drove with me and uh, I said what other practicum would, would you ever you know would you expect this or or job right and so that it's about again creating these spaces for indigenous and non-indigenous folks to learn especially social work students you know we have we have social work students who are going out and going to be working with indigenous families you know and when you're going to be working with indigenous families you have to know and understand about culture and ceremony so that they when they you're working with them and they're talking about it you have an understanding of what that means because you've been a part of it you've experienced that in the most meaningful way and so um i just yeah i i definitely want to touch on that in the importance of of that work within post-secondary yeah that's a wonderful aspect of what the service we can provide to our students i remember too if i can quickly share i had a nursing practicum student first day after work and i was called to present at a lpn conference i said okay and luckily she knew ceremony so i said okay you gotta come and set up my altar for me you know before i do my presentation and <laughs> she's just like what <laughs> <laughs> but yeah she was able to follow direction and she did it and the whole lpn uh community got to witness how we work with our students and yeah be able to demonstrate that parent teach uh that student teacher relationship Right and and how we how well we could work together and mentor uh, our students in a meaningful manner. Yeah, and and Roxanne, I know that you've because of the you know you've come in and, and talked to my students on different occasions and and you've told stories really powerful stories about you know the work that you've done uh, across this city uh, in relation to working with our our mothers and and their babies and you know and i and i think that those stories have really impacted our students and especially our social work students and again i'm a bit biased because of course i teach in the social work program and and terry and roxanne both touched on it and i and i can't stress enough the importance of having you know folks like roxanne and and elder francis whiskey jack you know part of our team at the university because if we are teaching social work students in, a, in an academic setting about how to go out and work with all humans um, 
it's so important that they don't just understand Indigenous people through the lens of colonization. You know, we are so much more than that. We are so much more than our pain. We are so much more than our trauma. We are so much more than what you see when you go out there and practice as a social worker, you know, because of course, as social workers, we don't go out and meet people at their best. That's not where we're meeting people. We're not meeting people when they're just doing real damn deadly. You know, that's not where we're meeting people. (laughs) We're meeting people when they are struggling. And so the chances of, you know, and I say to my students all the time, the chances of you as a social worker within this province working with an Indigenous family is like 70 to 100%. You know, the chances of you working with an Indigenous family is 70 to 100%. And so you have to understand, you don't have a choice as a social work student to learn about Indigenous peoples from Indigenous peoples. You have to learn about us through us. And, and can't just learn about us through the lens of colonization because we're not just validated that way. You know, we weren't just valid when settlers came here. We were valid long before that. And so when Roxanne comes in and does pipe, when Elder Francis Whiskey, I remember I was teaching a course and uh, I was teaching my advanced practice class and I was doing it at McEwen. This is, or sorry, at Kihuatan. This was before pre-pandemic. And Francis was wandering around the space and I was teaching in the big classroom there. And he came in, I invited him in and he came in and he was just sitting there listening And then all of a sudden, he was like, I'm going to sing for you guys. And he brought out his guitar. (laughs) And then he started singing on his guitar. And then he brought out his drum. And he started singing on his drum. And it was, it's those types of learnings that my students will never forget. Mm -hmm. Those types of learnings that my students will never forget. And I think it's, again, so important to have folks at your institution who who can teach from that place, from that place of our beauty, from that place of our resilience, from our teachings. And again, not just validated through, you know, indigenous peoples are this, that, and the other thing that you see out in practice. You have to know about us pre-contact. And that's so important. So Roxanne, again, I thank you because you are one of those people who's impacted my students in that way. Yeah, and I'm always so grateful because we're not going to be around all the time and they have to carry the torch after, you know, we've exhausted all that we can do. And I'm grateful, like, at my age that I'm still pursuing my academic studies, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, as a graduate student, I'm doing that, uh, a master's in psychotherapy and spirituality only because of the work that I saw that was necessary at one of our inner city hospitals where our indigenous women are so horribly mistreated. And I spent seven and a half years at one of our local uh, inner city hospitals. And I thought in the 21st century, you know, we're still swooping and scooping our babies, like, uh, you know, residential school, the residential school era. But, you know, these non-Indigenous professionals, they only know what they know, and it's very little in terms of the impacts of their actions. And so that's what motivated me and inspired me to go back to academia, to try and improve the services, at least at this one hospital, collaboratively with the Faculty of Nursing at U of A, on how to improve the services to the urban inner city woman that this hospital serves because the atrocities and the uh, errors that I saw that were so appalling, you know, uh, that I was given a gag order, that I couldn't speak about all those incidences that I was witness to. And I said, 
that's criminal. You can't do that, right? But I was given a gag order by their corporate lawyer that as an employee of AHS, Alberta Health Service, I couldn't speak about them. But now that I'm no longer an employee, I'm going to start speaking about them and they are part of my dissertation. And and yeah, the truth needs to be heard. Mm, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, as we wrap up, I'm just, I want to leave it open to you, Roxanne, if there's anything that you feel that our listeners uh, need to know, need to hear uh, from you today. Well, I just like to close with song, I think, because mm. it's a big part of my life in terms of how important these teachings, ceremony are in terms of who we are. And especially in the work of my area of passion is perinatal loss, end of life care, uh, through our worldview. And this song was gifted to me. I, I used to be one of the uh, uh, Indigenous cultural helpers at the Royal Alec Hospital, working with, in women's health and the neonatal intensive care. And one of the one of the tools that really grounded me in my work when supporting families in the most traumatic uh, circumstances of their lives in losing a loved one was that I asked creator, grandmothers, grandfathers, please help me with song, you know, that can can give us hope, that can give us inspiration, that mm-hmm. can give us strength, right? Mm-hmm. And this song was gifted to me, you know, in in on one of our, our, our uh, yearly hikes we used to do as a spiritual care team. And I, when I pulled into Jasper, I asked for my boss to stop so I could make, make offering to that chief mountain to request for a song to help me in the work that I was doing. And so we had climbed Mount Robson on, we were on a three day hike. And the one day when our team was taking off on day hikes, I asked to stay behind because I needed to do, you know, the rightful protocol to request for a song. So I was up there on Mount Robson, on this beautiful, pristine lake, lift, lift my, uh, made my offering, lift my smudge, and I said, okay, you know, if you can give me song to help me in doing this work meaningfully and with purpose with the families that I serve, I'll be forever, you know, grateful. Mm. And so this is a song that, that that grandmother spirit gifted me. So it speaks about that health, that healing, and that hope we must have uh, being uh, moving forward, you know, because we have a sacred responsibility, I'm told, that, you know, we have to leave this place better than the way we entered into it for the next seven generations. Mm. So if I could close, I want to just close with this lullaby that I used to sing to these uh, neonates, right, these premature babies, uh, to reassure them that, we're going to do the best job that we can to support you, right? Just keep breathing, right? Your parents, you know, will trust us, will, you know, help them be better equipped to parent you, right? Just trust us, right? Creator, grandmothers, grandfathers are on our side, right? To ensure that you can live a productive, healthy life. Just trust us, right? And so how many of those babies, these new neonatologists would, would have withdrawn on our babies hadn't we intervened spiritually and grateful for this song that they did trust us and they continued to um, 
stabilize and start feeding, start growing so that they could meet their due date and see them discharged from our hospital. And some have come back to show me how they've thrived and um, thank, come to thank me at 12 years old. I just went and met her recent neonate who's 12 years old today mm-hmm. to say, this is the Kukum that did that ceremony for you, mm-hmm. right? So this is the song. We Thank you so much for that beautiful song, Roxanne. Mm-hmm. I really, uh, I pre- really appreciate you uh, sharing song with us tonight, and uh, and that song specifically. I always love to hear that from you. Mm. Thank you, Roxanne. That's and thank you for sharing the story that goes along with that song. I'm sure that uh, whoever needs to hear that will hear it. Hey, hey. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you, Roxanne. Okay, good night. Good night. Good night. Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod. Natani means. Yeah. Let's go. They pushed us to this point, frustrations of a common man Manifest the destiny, preach and pledge the promised land I'm stuck between taking my journey, live with no honor Like what's the use of my kids, can't taste clean water A child born into a world, revolution's not a choice Fighting to be heard, so we make them hear our voice Remember ancestors, anguish lightning in our veins Hear it in a language when they are kitchen for the rain I am product of people that persevere, persecution Paint me so creator sees me, if I go out shooting Experience our pain, when our women disappear daily Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence, cover of the night Learning from the woods, in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptations? Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Two Crees in a Pod.